Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast presents Second Line Parade. Three Witches and a Druid, where we sit around the table, and tonight we're eating Chinese food, (laughs) (laughs) and we talk about being a pagan in modern times. I am Maeve. And I'm Gwen. And I'm Brian. Tonight, uh, Margo is out with a bit of a stomach bug, so it's just the three of us. Just the three of us. And tonight's topic we're going to discuss is the psychological importance of being a pagan. It's a very long, wordy title. Psychological importance to each one of us or to society as a whole? I think it's the topic that we're trying to hit upon is the psychological benefits of being a pagan. How does being a pagan affect our mental health? Shall I start big? (laughs) Yeah, let's go. (laughs) I might be dead if it wasn't for it. 
Yeah. There were times in the, you know, about eight years ago, you know, eight, nine years ago, I might be dead if I wouldn't have had that to lift me up, I guess. Right. To have, you know, to help me through. I'm going to use an analogy here, if I may. I was sitting around, you know, back in last summer, and somebody was saying, somebody, I was with some old friends, and one of the spouses of one of these old friends says, oh, religion's just a crutch. And I'm like, so? Me and my big mouth? I said, listen, you got a broken leg. You can sit in your bed with your broken leg, and you can't get up. You can't go to the bathroom by yourself. You can't go get a drink of water or make a sandwich or anything, and you're always getting people to help you, and you're feeling miserable and on and on. But someone gives you a set of crutches, look at that. You're getting out of your bed. You're going to the bathroom on your own. You're making a sandwich and a cup of tea. Maybe even walk out in the backyard a little bit. So what the hell is wrong with a crutch? Because you don't know what someone's life is or what they're going through. And somebody's paralyzed from the waist down. Well, guess what? They can sit at home. They can get in that wheelchair and go have a full-time job and a life and a family and everything. Or they can sit in, you know, in their bed and do nothing. So I got no problem with crutches. No, and there's no problem no either problem if that crutches. crutch if that crutch evolves into a cane. That's right. Need, Moving you, along. There's nothing wrong with needing or wanting spirituality or a religious practice to get you through your day-to-day life. Now, obviously, it becomes a problem when that religious practice or spirituality becomes a form of toxicity. Absolutely, But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the benefits. You know, there are times when, depending on what's going on in your life, you absolutely need those crutches. Right. Other times, you're just looking out the window and you're happy. Just in general, I find it very enlightening and very helpful just in today's world. Even before COVID came along, we work on being open and empathic, psychic, spiritual, and all of that opens us so much more, I think, to the world. You know, you're hearing about, you know, however many right now, the the sad business in Ukraine. I was on the verge of tears for the mothers of the Russian fellas that are over there, wives and children. I mean, you feel bad, you know, it's pain. You be, I think as pagans, oftentimes we're more aware of the pain of the world. Mm. Well, and, that, and that's, part, <laughs> that's to, a good point to, to bring to up with, with Ukraine is because the entire world is a big flaming pile of shit right now. (laughs) I don't really see it getting a whole lot better anytime soon. So I don't know if it's, well, if you have absolutely zero spirituality, maybe you don't give a damn. Maybe it's our spirituality that makes us give a damn. But I mean, if you're just a human being in general, who isn't a horrible, horrible person, whether you are a stone cold atheist, you're going to feel badly. Yes. And I find just, you know, I I do find there's, there's so much comfort in it. There is extra help to be had for myself when you're going through difficult times. Somebody else needs to talk. Huh? <laughs> sure. Well, that, you that's you my did beginning. start off pretty big. Yeah, I did yeah. start <laughs> off big. Yeah. No, it, it's like if I couldn't have sat back and, and known. I mean, yes, I had friends around and, and I was very fortunate friends and family. But a lot of that still, you have to find that place inside of yourself to be able to carry on at really, really difficult times. Now, I'm not talking about every day, because every day, you know, paganism makes you joyful to me. Right. And, you know, you you can feel those beautiful flowers that are blooming over there in Gwen's living room. That is a fantastic plant. <laughs> um, but a lot of the time, no matter how much support you have, it has to come from inside to be able to make yourself move forward and become productive again, or whatever the case might be. And if I could not have felt that spirituality and felt the goddess with me, 
I don't know where I would have found well, and the energy to move along. Well, and that's a big part of our spirituality. It's mm. not it's not really necessarily the religious aspect, but it's definitely the spiritual aspect where you have to understand your your emotions and connect with them and learn to control them in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like we have an entire practice within paganism called grounding. Yes. That's what that's all about. Yeah, if if you can't reach that place and get that you know to you you get very very out of control really i do see how a lot of times when people are in horrible horrible places in their life and you know they they find a religion and that's you know one of the only things that helps them on the straight and narrow it helps you with that inner part of you agree now at the same time though and not because we don't want to focus on the toxicity one of the issues people do have when they when they're having stresses in their life and they turn to religion or spirituality is that they become subservient to whatever book or text that that religion may be. One of the great things about paganism, we don't have any of that. We don't. And even if we did, I'm rebellious enough. <laughs> I still wouldn't want. I, I might take your idea, but there'd be no way you'd be telling me what to do. Right. <laughs> I'm really I... rebellious. <laughs> I think you're right, like, and I see that, and and in my work with, you know, religious um, leaders of other religions in the, um, I can remember when Dave was first sick, and they'd be checking in on me, and I said to one of my buddies, I was like, I don't know how people who don't have a connection to deity get through these times, and for a lot of people, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody finds their connection to deity that speaks and resonates with them, either culturally or personality-wise. And there's definitely, I think, a, a certain kind of person that the self-responsibility of taking charge of your own spiritual journey speaks to. So there's, you know, there is there is that group. So if the idea of a revealed text or sacred or a, a dogma or rules that kind of puts you off, you know, then it maybe isn't as helpful. So there, there is that if for, for pagans, I think, that independence of determining your own. Because that's one thing that you will, you, you will read about or if you're teaching someone or helping someone is we can give you these ideas, but the work is in your hands. And that can be very hard for somebody that has grown up in a system that gives you how do I a strict set of guidelines? A strict set of guidelines, even spoon fed a bit. And you're maybe. being yeah. I'm I'm trying to say it without you know naming a specific religion, but there there are very strict guidelines. There's study groups. There's whatever. There's a there's a progress whatever. And so when you're working with people that are new to the faith, they're like. Well, tell me what to believe. And it's, I'm like, I am so uncomfortable with that. I can point you down or whatever. You have to, you have to find your own level of comfort mm-hmm. they and have, truth. There's things you can do, like connecting with the God, connecting with the goddess. You know, little activities you might do, you know, mm-hmm. and then you will find your way from there. It's experiential yeah, as it opposed is. to an, an analytical, logical, and I think... I know, Brian, you've brought that up, orthopractic as opposed yeah. to orthodoxic, because it's when we when you meet a bunch of pagans in a group, 
we don't really dwell on what each other believes because they'll be so every single person will be believing something different even within i'm sure in the in your own grove which is every member of the grove has a different belief belief but what we what we learn and what we get value out of is that experiential thing and that's where wisdom as opposed to knowledge like we derive knowledge from things but we derive wisdom from experience right yeah and that's how individual experience builds yeah and we've all we've all done enough public rituals that if you've got you know 30 people 40 however 10 whatever the case might be every person's having a different experience yes. there right every person's having a different experience you know because of whatever their identification with whatever's going on, you know, strikes them. And when you were talking about books and the, you know, dogmen, spoon feeding, I have found, I mean, there's lots of books and you were saying, oh, you get, you know, attached to one sort of book and thought. Just about every pagan book I've ever read has given me great ideas, but it's also a springboard to a new idea to find, keep looking, yes. keep researching, keep trying for the, the new experience not necessarily higher and better just well that was i never thought of that well why don't i look at it this way and try this and maybe it works maybe it doesn't but every book for me is a springboard for the next seeking of whatever knowledge and i was watching a thing just recently and somebody was uh you know doing it was a little tarot talk and, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to read the tarot now for like 35 years. And, you know, after 35 years, you know, there's still always something more to learn. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, 35 years of actively practicing and there's always something new. And there's always another thought and your thoughts evolve. It's kind of like that saying, well, you did the best that you could with the knowledge you had. But then there's always more knowledge and there's always more ways and, you know, more ways that can even be more fulfilling. I mean, you can spend a lifetime, you know, seeking, seeking. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very much a seeker. Yeah. And I love, I'm a researcher. I'm a, I love researching things. That's my, it's my big forte. But I do find, you know, just, just having it some days. And I mean, it's like talking to your dog. It's like, all right, goddess, I just got to get this done. Let's go. <laughs> Please give me the strength. <laughs> And uh, even just, you know, I think, too, that a lot of it is in difficult times, in the end, knowing you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you talk to 99.999% of people who have addictions or terrible pro- you know, things like that, it's all because of pain. Mm-hmm. Because of pain and, and terrible things that have happened in their life. And, you know, when they get in that pain, they feel alone and substances numbs their pain and this and that. But, I mean, if you can you can get to that place where you don't feel alone, it, it helps. Yeah. You know, and religion, I mean, you know, I got nothing against Jesus. He was a very cool guy. He was a wonderful teacher and all of that. Some of the stuff done in his name is a little questionable. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if, if, if somebody, if that's what they want, they want to walk with Jesus and that helps them every day to be a, you know, more productive or better person or you don't have to be a valuable member. You know, you don't have to be only judged as of how valuable you are to society but if that gives them some comfort so they can get through their day without being in agony that's yeah. excellent yeah. that that is and just even if paganism you know does has taught me to quiet my mind mm-hmm. how to meditate some how to journey how to find that spirit family 
you know, your spirit animals, you know, the animals and anyone, any other helpers that might be out there. I got a whole, I got a whole handling team. <laughs> I got a whole team that handles me. <laughs> I, I do find that it's helpful. And when I said I'd be dead, I really, you know, usually I'm a pretty good person, but you know, everybody has that super duper low point. Well, yeah, or you I, just might and you don't think you're going to be able to go on. Right. After my mother passed away, I went through a, a, a really deep depression. It was after doing a bit of research, I discovered that it, it's referred to as existential dread. Existential, and, yep. <laughs> and all I could think about was my own mortality and my own potential death and what would happen when I died and who would remember. No, none of, like, I'm not... Old, I'm not unhealthy. None of these were actual concerns, but that's all I can think about. Now, while at the same time, after my mother passed away, my dad had been quite sick for a while. And so he was still here and he lived in PEI. My sister mostly had was taking care of him. Unfortunately, he passed away the next year, but that was expected uh, where my mother wasn't expected. And when my dad passed away, it all went away. And I, I don't know why, but while in that mindset, I had done quite a lot of research on death and funerals and that sort of thing. And that's what brought me to the Morrigan and learning that death is just a part of life. It's not something to be feared. It's not something to regret or run away from. It's just a part of the cycle of life. And that for me, it gave me more of a structure or understanding of how I believe the life cycle works. Mm -hmm. And so I found a lot of comfort in that. Mm -hmm. And to this day, like uh, my goal at some point is to be a deaf doula, where I want to be able to help others who may struggle with that and I want to be able to help them. I don't know if it necessarily on a psychological sense, but if I'm able to help with paperwork or funeral arrangements or any of the other tomfoolery that the practical the practical aspects aspect. mm-hmm. yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so overwhelming. And yeah. It, yeah, it could be incredibly overwhelming for someone who's grieving and just allow them to grieve while I take care of all the rigmarole. Uh, but it's also I've also learned so much more about other practices and green burials and that the entire North American system we have is, I don't know, I don't want to say corrupt, but it's... It's, it's a, a money racket. It's a money racket, yeah. Um, Sorry. No, it's true. I, I, spoke, <laughs> I spoke to a gentleman who runs a green graveyard just outside of town here, and he was like, yeah, if you pass away, they just put you in the back of the car, pull up, say a couple of rights, and put you in a hole. And that's all that's needed. For ages, it wasn't legal to put someone in the ground unless which they were in a coffin. Ridiculous. Which is it is absurd. the most ridiculous concept. Because the, the coffins would and it eventually deteriorates exactly. anyway. I'm not yeah. sure what they're I'm, doing. I'm a strong believer that I want to go back to the earth. And that doesn't mean burn me. It doesn't mean put chemicals in me. Just stick me in a potato sack and put me in the earth. For, That's where I want to be. For ages, the idea of being buried absolutely mortified me. I want cremated, cremated, cremated. And somebody once said to me, they said, I, I find that very hard to believe with you. You know, you're so so into the earth and I would thought you would want to go back to the earth and, you know, being at the base of a tree or something. And I finally figured out it wasn't going back to the earth. It was being stuck in that coffin. Yeah. Just don't be in the coffin. And I, you know, at the time you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, but now you can. And, you know, uh, you know, and now I'm like, you know what? 
I, I would consider it. You know, a couple grave. I want a couple grave goods. I'll <laughs> be wrapped in a nice shroud of yeah. some sort. Maybe my favorite dress. I don't know. Something tie-dyed, whatever the case <laughs> might be. But the idea that I wouldn't have to go in a coffin. Okay, now that I like. Yeah. yeah, that I do. But then there's all cremation. I like the idea of too because there's so many places in the world I probably won't get to that I'd like to see. Maybe my daughter traveled around, sprinkle me here Listen, and there. Listen, what do they say? <laughs> I will mess it up because I always mess up the the specific details when I remember the concepts. Right. Yeah. But I think it's within five years. Like household dust is basically skin and hair and yeah. bits yeah. and pieces of us, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? And with the air currents, where this just this bubble and we all recycle, let me tell you, you are in Australia right now. <gasps> you are in Australia. You are in Tibet. That. You are within, There's I think it's about five years, everything is everywhere, basically. Yeah. And so those, you can be cremated. Now, I know Dave's going to be three different spots in Canada, but really, you can throw those ashes up in the air in one spot, and within five years, you have seen the world. Yeah. No, That's a marvelous time, every, idea. I love every, that. Everybody, of course, is free to do whatever they would. And yes. I, I believe that's the important part. Yes. Is that they should be free to do what Autonomy. they want. Autonomy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So if you want to be shipped out on a little boat in the public mm-hmm. gardens and then someone shoots a flaming arrow <laughs> in the little pond there, in the, go for it. Yeah. And at the same time, we talk about this and how many times did I have to shut down parts of Disney World because someone threw ashes off a roller coaster and they're like... I clean that up now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. Oh no, that's that's a very common occurrence. Apparently, people put ashes off. Of yeah, they'll and... they'll be on a roller coaster. They'll throw ashes and be like, "We got to shut it all down. We got to sanitize and clean up." <laughs> well, the ashes aren't they, aren't unsanitary. It's a, it's, a, it's a corporation thing. I'm sure they're just doing. Good it. grief! They're just covering their own. No, hands. I, I yeah, don't want to do that. I don't like ice. I don't like ice. <laughs> yeah, what, no, you're, you're not going to be on a roller coaster. Now at the same time, I'm an incredibly I wouldn't say morbid. I have some terrible plans for my own funeral and wait. So we're going way off topic, but I want we to hear are. this. So, so we're going to go off topic. At, at my actual wake, I want there to be some sort of system so that when you approach the coffin, I come up and go, nah. <laughs> and everybody's required to wear um, like Hawaiian shirt. I want a luau yeah. complete with yeah. grass skirts no and being pig sad. Cooking yeah. co- can be co- happy. Co- cooking in the a pig cooking underground. I also have full plans to leave my skull to a random young relative in my will without them knowing. Said so just one day to get a box. It's like here's your uncle Brian's skull. You gotta take care of that from now on. And so what are we like, gonna do? Cut gonna... your head off and put you on an anthill to clean that off? Like, yeah, what are we well, doing? That's that's somebody else's. I'm dead. It's not my problem anymore. That's someone else's problem. Can you just imagine being like a nephew or a niece and me getting a box in the mail and getting this creepy skull from an uncle that you never met? That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be horrifying and they would never recover. That'd be funny. You could sit on a bookshelf and we can read books together or something. <laughs> Okay, so back to paganism and everything. I will. And mental health. Maybe Brian shouldn't contribute about paganism and how it shores up your mental health. I don't know. But I do find that even just like, I don't know, I always felt something more deep inside. Yes. And I find those things during the day, being able to look a little differently at the world around you helps. Now, here's the thing. 
Is it because it's in us from birth? Because that's just who we are? Or is it something that someone can come to? You can come to it to a point, but to really feel like, do some people just so, not have um, that connect in them? I wonder more, about more that. than 20 years ago, and again, I forget specifics, so please go Google this. But 20, 30 years ago, there was scientific work being called the God whatever, and there's a definite place in your brain. And people that oh, yes. go to religion. No, God complex. No, we do know people who oh fall under that. Yes. But it's, there is a person the, in your brain, on, it's a, right? It's on the tip of my there, tongue. So, oh, so if, you just blurted it out at the end of the Yeah, episode. that's <laughs> that's okay. It that's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's easy to find. There's lots of work. It, it was a big thing. It made a splash. It started I off in scientific journals, and then it's like in Time Magazine and here in Canada, McLean's and that sort of thing. And they can determine by, I don't know, CTs, MRIs, whatever, that certain areas light up in people that are drawn to a religious or or whatever, as opposed to people who are not. People right. who Isn't are that seeking, people who are looking. Kind of like chocolate and the places that activates an old brain. There you go. Same deal. So there's interesting things that come out of that is that, you know, what does that mean? I don't freaking care because it doesn't matter to me. So people will use that to say it's just epigenetic. You know, it's in your brain. It's a biomechanical whatever. Right. It doesn't matter because the effect on my life is positive. Absolutely. It does not matter whether it is, like you say, internal or whether it is there is this external but then many pagans have this pantheistic or panentheistic as well as having possibly a system of gods and 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 deities in in uh they also have this idea that the divine is what is in us animating right, us right, and right. connecting us anyway so that little piece in your brain is also that right yeah, for me it doesn't it doesn't matter if if I have a specific brain and that's why I've always been drawn to this. And when you were saying even as a child, Jen, I can remember sitting in the back of my of the car, my parents driving. This would have been the late sixties, uh, mid sixties, late sixties. I was a youngish child, and it was a full moon. And I remember this because both of my parents looked over at me and kind of gave me the wide eye and then looked straight ahead and I was singing a hymn to the moon yeah and I was six seven at the most maybe five six and I thought they were giving me the evil eye because I was out of tune because I am in a very musical family and you know I out of step I'm not musical I can't sing the first thing you went to oh my goodness I'm out of tune yeah, I'm out of tune. That's the first the thing I went to. I went, oh my gosh, I'm out of tune. You know, I'm five or six and I'm thinking they're looking at me because I'm out of tune. But much later, and, and of course, because I hold every criticism in my mind to torture myself with at 3 a.m., I can still remember that look. Right? <laughs> at 3 a.m., I wake up and remember that look that I was out of tune. And my parents, like maybe 10 years ago, said, oh yeah, you were always sort of this priestessy person. You were singing to the moon. You talked to trees in a reverential way, mm-hmm, not as mm-hmm. a... Yeah. I also ran around and played Robin Hood. 
but yeah. that's something else, you know. But there, yeah. there was that interaction. Can I take this one further? Oh, yeah, Actually, I'm, I'm thinking now, the, the recent direction that I have, my faith has gone over the last 10 years, has been about connection and community, which is, I know, very strange to people because I'm so highly introverted, but I, I really value that community. But with an animistic, trying to take that animistic, abstract belief system and making it real and 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 visceral and acting on it, being experiential with it. In the pandemic, whether people realize it or not, certainly in the very beginning when people were in these strict lockdowns and they were growing gardens and they were getting to know their mm-hmm. they were getting to know their pets better and their pets right. were like we don't want you to go back to work. Before, they were making real relationships right. mm-hmm. with animals, with their yard, mm-hmm. with, with their gardens, with with their their gardens and, and that sort of thing. You know, I was I was already on that path of trying to get myself in right relationships. So we have often a vision of, again, in this abstract way that we often look at the world, where, you know, we're an apex predator or something, and it's this pyramid of man being at Mm -hmm. the top when really that kind of confers some sort of superiority or importance but when you realize that the bees really have more importance than you do you know like that that pyramid diagram should be this (coughs) all-inclusive circle and and trying to get into right relationships so that is the form that my spiritual journey is taking as I think it was helpful to be on that path of trying to be in right relationship, making community with non-human persons in my neighborhood. I I think Mm -hmm. one of the things the pandemic had done for us, pagans and society in general, is it made everyone slow down. And yes, they they realize there's worms in the earth, there's ants in my yard, there's my cat actually gives a damn about me. That sort of thing. (laughs) Yes. And and to be and the thing is, is people because they had they were locked up. They slow down enough to take, it's, it's the taking notice of. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the big deal. I've always, even when I was a child, you know, oh, look, I'm going to watch this bee at this flower, where most people would have ran like hell, scared of a bee. Right. Not that we're all, I would I would run like hell if there was a whole beehive. But, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, I think people, because we're all so, you know, that, that whole North American, pardon me, the white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant work ethic, the this, the that, the go, 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 that people have completely forgot that they can get pleasure from little things. Pleasure was only big things. Do I have this car? Am I going to be able to afford a boat? Where am I going on vacation? Well, you know what? I'm just as happy to go off camping somewhere where it's going to be free if I'm in the woods, woods, or 20 bucks a night somewhere. And holy cow, where was it two summers ago? I'm down the valley camping, and I'd never seen one. It was a spider's web, but it was ra- it was like a globe. One of those Whoa. spiders. It was like, it was weird. It was like thicker in the middle and, and went, you know, closed yeah. up on the ends. And it was, it was this perfect geometric thing it wasn't like the flat well i sat right down on side of the road on the edge of the ditch and stared at that thing for a half hour i never i thought that was the and that was just every time i thought of it i was utterly thrilled to pieces for weeks 
Yeah. It was. I've never seen anything like it. It was ra- It was three-dimensional round. It was the freakiest thing in the world. Some yeah. spider. I don't know what it was, but you see that? I didn't need trip to Paris. I had a <laughs> spider's web. <laughs> and I think that helps people, you know, this whole, you want to be happier, have less. Mm-hmm. People have the want for happiness. They have the want for that thrill kind of inside, like that that extra, the the, rate, the, the rising up, your blood pressure a little bit when you're excited. And some people don't know how to find that in simple, simple ways. I think that might summarize when we were talking about paganism in our daily lives. It's, for me, I think seeing those little things and feeling that whole rush of happiness and fulfillment watching those little things like that maybe so on weeks i was uh, elated every time (laughs) simple minds i suppose but i find that helps being a pagan helps me like that tree over there or that bush whatever plant you've got Yeah, my bougainvillea is that what it's called that i would be so thrilled with that that uh, like just sitting here i'm as happy as anything just looking at that (laughs) <laughs> I'm one of the, I notice things and I was with uh, this little walk and I've had people say this before. I was with the walking group with your mm-hmm. neighbor here and all this. And I said, oh my gosh, everyone, look at that. It was this huge monster. It's like one of those birch trees you don't see that are like this big around. And they all stopped and went, huh? And they looked <laughs> and this was like our fourth walk together or something. And someone piped up and said, you notice everything. Yeah. I would have never paid attention to that. I'm like, oh God, no. Yeah, and that was just so thrilling to see that. What a nice tree! I I think that's what it is for me. There we go. How many times have we figured things out just chatting away here? Really, so, for me to be able to find that—that's that's the biggie for me. Right. So, what are some tools that we as pagans use to ground ourselves to make make us deal with the shit pile that is the world? Meditation. Wine? No, <laughs> that's very that, grounded. That's not great to paganism. That's no, a lot of grounding helps. Fine, if you want to be specific, mead. Mead? No, I don't like mead. <laughs> right. I know, I'm a weirdo. I don't like mead. Grounding certainly helps. Here's some things uh, I tell. Sometimes I'll tell to students. Um, if it's winter and you can see a little bit of icicle, watch that ice melt. Mm-hmm. Watch it drip. It's back to the noticing the little things. Little things, world. because then you get that it sense of wonder you into that. It but it does. Bring, it, it creates wonder, but it also creates. It shows you your place in them. That's right. You're part of this. Look at a spider's web. I know this sounds incredible. It's the simplest thing in the world. Watch the clouds go by. Yeah. Mm. Pay attention to the leaves blowing. Another thing too is animals. Mm-hmm. If you can be around animals, yep. children. Oh, if you, wanna, children. if you want to learn wonder again, follow around children. behind a two-year-old children. as they interact. Look at a river. Anything, and even your house plant. You know, just notice. I think the best ways to ground and connect is to slow down and notice. Right. Really notice. You know, like what are the different shades of the green in that grass? It's it's um notice. you were you were mentioning so like a Protestant work ethic sort of value coming out of being productive and doing good works and all those sorts of things, whereas we have become beings that do as opposed to beings, and and if we can reconnect with being a human being, and just be yes be. And that kind of is that grounding. Mm-hmm. 
And and it is, it is too when you say about being productive, volunteering places and helping mm. helping others. I find a very great great way to connect because you connect with the earth, but to connect to other people in a different way that isn't just your family and you're doing their laundry, and it isn't just your workplace and this, and it's not just sitting and you know having your wine. But I find helping others with, who need help mm-hmm. or who can't help themselves. I do a lot of volunteer work myself. I find that very very grounding in the world it's like you know it makes me have yeah, there's place. a perspective there's it, a perspective it widens your view it sure does it also gives you more uh, another place mm-hmm. i think finding your place when you said that finding where you are and all of this mm-hmm. it is really really a biggie and that helps you find your place too and the biggie too is gratitude mm-hmm be grateful for little things around. It's like, no, who loves to pick up a rock off the beach or the side of the road if we see something weird more than a peg? <laughs> <laughs> How would it look? I see your pile of rocks over there, oh, one of them. <laughs> oh my gosh, one of them. One of the many. You, know, it, you really should pay attention to that. Animals, all, things around you. It, and it can be in your house. Mm-hmm. You know, look, oh, look, there's an ant going up the wall. Watch that ant. Also, the the practice of ritual. Yes. Uh, oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. Ritual. I, I, and I was I was thinking before you said ritual, just following that wheel of the year, and I know that that has become sort of controversial, and people say, well, that has no place in my life, Ugh. and it's agricultural and whatever. But I like to eat, and so <laughs> I I really appreciate that agricultural aspect. But people well, complaining about that sort of thing are just complaining, but to say complaining, well, I, no I, one I, cares I, that it's not ancient or mysterious. It's something cool, and we're just gonna. Do but it. but by the same token, you can you can whatever for whatever reason the sun is in that position. I agree. The, regardless, the, regardless <laughs> of whether you're a farmer or not, and having a carved out, you want to start getting in shape. What do they say? They say schedule your gym times ahead. We have these scheduled equidistant ish times of the year that make us be here now. And so what is wrong with saying we're going to follow this wheel of the year model? Maybe it doesn't work as a book written in the 50s says it should. Make it work for me now, but take this time. The sun is at this point in the sky. The the weather is such. The world is such. And I am going to create my own little way of being here now and, and... noticing and making it sacred right it's true because may day is coming mm-hmm. coming up next month and by then well look i've seen some crocuses mm-hmm. and there's snow like say spring okay yeah nova scotia here spring is still kind of <laughs> wintry but you know what by that time in march like two three weeks ago people still had snowdrops coming up yeah, yeah. so how can you say i really do because it, it is it is the light and all of that. It's like, oh, when, when the light changes. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you can't deny that. It ma- Again, it doesn't matter if you're a farmer, you're a farmer or not. And, oh, look, it's May Day and it's getting warmer. And, oh, look, it's summer solstice and we've got flowers everywhere. Like, yeah, why can't we be happy about that? Yeah. I think that's a case of not noticing maybe like you should. Yeah. We do the not sh- be on the earth and of the earth or yes. something. Right, yes. A maiden female does not chase down a deer and kill it in this modern day and age. Right? You know, like technically a mayday it could happen. 
But, you know, that doesn't... And I mean, in Nova Scotia, you're not going to want to be shagging in outside the woods in the cold. You <laughs> tick. <laughs> the ticks are awake by then. That's exactly. right. But it's the point that... Well, maybe one evening it will be warm enough for me to be making out outside with someone, you know? <laughs> I do not live, you know, on a farm, but the sun is still moving around. But it, it's it almost more is. important for people in urban centers to... Well, yeah. also because if you, if you have work, and it doesn't have to be agriculture, you could no. be working, you could be fishing, you could be, you could be doing so many things and be interacting with your natural environment but if you're not it almost makes it that wheel of the year is more valuable right you're at a desk job you're at inside a desk job. maybe you don't even have a window for this, heaven's this sakes again connects you to yeah. your greater community right. how do you how do you create right relationship with the other beings on this planet right and other human beings on yes. this planet yeah. So back to ritual, it's it's the same concept. You don't have to, like, e- even if you're just performing a ritual for yourself in a private ceremony, just to practice the the repetition, the, the movements, mm-hmm. those can be forms of grounding. Absolutely, the ceremony and and right. the, the, the of it all. And I know for many years, and don't use a lot of uh, heavy incenses, but. Boy, oh boy, good old benzoin, and you're there, yeah. right? Or someone has is passing around, you know, the the sage and cedar stick, you know, at the beginning of a ritual, and your mind automatically connects because mm-hmm. right. when you get you do that, and the quarters and the water and the cleansing or whatever you're doing, it, it automatically puts you there. Yeah, and it really, really, it really helps. And there's something to be said after that that to connect. And again, in an urban center, maybe you're in an apartment on the, you know, 15th floor. But if you've called your quarters and cast your circle and smelled your sage or whatever incense you have, and you've, you know, spoken, you know, asked your deity to join you and done all that, there is a real comfort. And just that's a great way for grounding because there is a comfort in that. I know that, you know, even say, you know, my, you know, grandmother, your mother at church, and that that ceremony, and that every time the same, you know, little words and peace be with you and this and, you know, the prayers, it it really makes a huge difference. I think any kind of ceremony like that right. makes a huge difference to you, yeah. and can be very refreshing, even if it's just light a candle, take a few breaths and say a prayer or two. That is that that's a way to connect and to ground. Oh, was it? I was talking with some friends and I said, you know, I wouldn't mind if I had the, I don't know, the time or the money I could afford it, you know, to go stay in a convent or a, or a temple or something somewhere in a mountain and I don't know, in Ecuador or something <laughs> for a year under a vow of silence. And someone said, you'd go silent for a year. I said, I think it would be a great challenge. And not only that, if you never be quiet, you'll never hear the voice of God. Yeah. You'll never hear the voice of the God. I'm saying God in the loose way, you know, the voice of the goddess. Because you have to be quiet sometimes. Now, I'm not saying you can't drum and dance around naked. Sometimes dancing around naked is very freeing. <laughs> I it. connect. A, that's a biggie for me. Anybody out there who gets a chance, skinny dipping is the way. <laughs> you will never feel more connected to nature and more connected to yourself 
and the water around you and all of it than skinny dipping. <laughs> I recommend it to, ever, to do it as often as you can. <laughs> that, that's my biggie. Yeah, find a place and skinny dip. You never feel better. That's a wonderful thing. Well, this has been an interesting evening <laughs> and so many interesting thoughts. And we stayed on topic, sort of. And, um, as well as we normally do. Normally do. Well, that's the, we realize so many wonderful things. I'd like to thank you all for being with us here. And if you have any comments or questions, you can certainly contact us through Facebook. And uh, you can always give us a four or five stars. Four or five stars or thumbs up. Do we do that? Oh, I I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> anyway, and thank you, thank you very much <laughs> to our lovely editor and everyone. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon page we do have a Patreon where we page. do eventually feed our editor coffees. It's always nice when she's caffeinated. Yep. <laughs> We're very grateful to her. Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, Jennifer, and our newest Patreons, Highland Horde and Larry. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content, and we thank you for listening. I'd like to say thank you to everyone, and until next time, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet Again. Blessed be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening.